Okay, thank you everybody for coming to another Pro Report podcast. We are putting out these uh, as fast and furious as we can. Uh, the last few have had some incredible guests like we always like to do, and thank you for everybody for sharing them and liking them and commenting and, and so on. And uh, I think what we're going to try and do with this one is a little bit different. I'll try and mix it up a little bit. What we want to try and do is expose people to some bands that maybe they aren't as familiar with, and we've done that by just sharing the bands that we know, the Haken, Deer Hunter, and even some people that weren't aware of some of the other stuff that we've done and have written us about it. But this is going to be go even further towards that, towards the other end of that, because we're going to talk about bands that maybe are not considered prog, but that prog fans might like. So to help me out with that, I'm going to bring on uh, Kyle Figala, who was on a just recently posted one, Top 5 Prog Drummers. Kyle, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. You actually got my name wrong again, Roy. Oh, uh, come on. It's, I know. It's, it's, it was Fagala last time. It's Fagala or Fagala or something this time. Didn't but I say uh, it right? I just need to change my name. I'm changing it. So. <laughs> Fagala, yeah. <laughs> well, and so what's really cool is, so the key person in Prague that likes to expose uh, all of us to all the bands that we all know and as many bands as possible is Mike Portnoy and we are happy to have him on this one as well to help us out with this. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, uh, you know, I love talking about other bands and especially obscure bands and bands and artists that people may not know. So hopefully this podcast will be uh, informative and enjoyable and open up some some brand new uh, avenues for, for people to listen to. So yeah. I, I, the stuff I have here, I mean, it's not, I, 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 I would imagine we're going to have a lot of crossovers. There's a few bands and artists I could think of that are probably going to be on all three of our lists. So uh, I'm just going to roll with it and see, see what yeah, comes out. Yeah, if we get some crossovers, that's totally fine. Um, you know, I think one of the stipulations we tried to do, and we'll see how it goes, is, is obviously some of the bigger bands from the 70s, the Beatles, Queen, even Zeppelin or some of those might be considered sort of prog or influenced on prog. So I think we're going to try and stay away from those humongous right. heavy hitter bands um, and focus on maybe either lesser known or a band that's really popular that a lot of people don't even listen to because they don't consider them prog. So I have a couple of those on my list. So right. um, that's what we'll do. First of all, before we get started, uh, let's, say uh you know let's find out what you're up to mike i mean what's you you got a little downtime from all the sons of apollo shows so just a quick sort of what's going on in your world um well i'm home uh for a little bit this summer but still kind of in the middle of this sons of apollo tour uh we just came back from europe and we have a little break right now but then we head back to europe uh in september and october and we also have a stop in japan on that run and actually, we'll start that run with a, a one final appearance in America at Prague Power. So that's what's going on with Sons of Apollo. Um, actually, next week, I leave for Nashville. And the Neil Morse Band is reconvening to uh, continue work on uh, the follow-up to Similitude. Nice. And uh, if, if all goes as planned, we'll finish the writing. And then I'll get my drum tracks done 
so that's all in the coming weeks. And we're shooting for an early 2019 release with a tour to follow. Uh, what else? Uh, Metal Allegiance album comes out in September, and we have a, uh, an album release show in New York for that. And it uh, looks like we're probably going to go to South America in November as well. That hasn't been announced yet. And finally, um, Flying Colors is reconvening in December to wow. continue work uh, with what we started for the third album. And same kind of plan as Neil Morse band. We'll finish up the writing and then I'll get the drum tracks done so everybody can uh, start tracking. So that's pretty much the rest of my year in a nutshell, pretty much four different bands uh, <laughs> kind of like in rotation right now. Busy as ever. That's all, all good stuff. Uh, we should note that today, I, I mean, when we are recording this, I don't know when I'll end up airing this, but right. uh, Neil just uh, posted on uh, his Facebook page that on the upcoming Morse Fest, they are going to be as the opening act performing the great nothing, him and Nick and whoever else is going to be there. So that's yeah, gonna- that's amazing. Randy and I have been, di- we've been trying to talk Neil into doing that for, you know, geez, almost 20 years now, however long <laughs> we've been touring with Neil, Randy and I, keep trying and trying and trying and uh, I guess he's been keeping it in his back pocket for something special. So uh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not going to be there. I mean, obviously I'm not going to be at this Morse Fest cause I'm in, I'm going to be in Japan with Sons of Apollo. So I'm kind of bummed. I'm going to miss that, but I'm glad he's finally doing it. Yeah. That's going to be cool. I wonder if you've seen the uh, reviews in Prague magazine about the live similitude and yeah. do you guys ever wonder why they have such a bone to pick with? Yeah. Them? Yeah, it's a shame because, uh, you know, Prog Magazine is such a huge uh, influence on the scene. And it's a shame that they haven't embraced Neil's solo work. And we were hoping, you know, making it the Neil Moore's band would have improved that. But for some reason, the guys over at Prog just have a, a real issue with the, the, you know, the Christian angle. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I wouldn't have minded if you recorded this. So, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Okay, uh, yeah. You know, we openly talk about it. It's frustrating, you know. Uh, like similitude to me was hands down, you know, something that the prog magazine readers would have loved, but because they didn't get behind it because of the Christian angle, uh, you know, it's a little frustrating that, 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 that this great music is getting overlooked in, in probably one of the most important magazines for the genre. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the comment, it was sort of actually a funny one in this review of the live album where he said, uh, if you liked similitude, but always wished it had crowd noise. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, we've even toyed with, you know, when we changed it over to the Neil Morse band, I, I almost think it might've been more advantageous to just change the name of the band and not be the Neil Morse band than maybe be, you know, the grand experiment or, or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's too late now, or maybe, yeah. maybe you could just start referring to the band as NMB or something <laughs> just to get over yeah. that that hurdle, you know, that, that stigma that's attached to, to Neil, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the write-ups were, were ridiculous. I mean, they, they were just, um, I mean, you see that stuff in other groups too, where people just won't get past it and it just exactly. feels like so tired. I mean, there's, there's a lot of topics people won't get past online and it just, it almost feels like people are living in a different decade or something. It's just, they haven't moved on. So yeah. I don't know. And yeah. I felt like similitude was like, even though it's a Christian subject, it just felt less overtly Christian than a lot of his work. So I just didn't understand the criticism. So, yeah. And, and, and they love transatlantic. I mean, right. Well, they still love me too. I mean, I've been (laughs) on the cover three times, you know, just myself. 
So, I mean, they, they don't have an issue with me either. I think it's just they got to hang up with Neil or the Christian Angle. It's, it's a shame, though. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I was I was I also was wondering about that because I thought it was it was ridiculous. But anyway, back to the uh, topic at hand. So, all right, Mike, why don't you um, go first? So we'll, we'll we'll go Mike, then Kyle, then myself, and uh, let's see what's your first band that we should all know. Well, I, I'm debating on how I should do this because I don't really have an order. It's not like a top five, like and the number one is. Yeah. You know, this is more. I, I think I'm just going to go kind of chronological in terms of when the artist's work kind of hit the scenes. So I'm going to go chronological. Okay, cool. Um, and once again, I, I'm going to preface, you kind of already said this, all of these people are not necessarily prog artists or prog bands. I think just the whole idea of this whole podcast and conversation is is artists that are daring and experimental and, and just uh, broad and, and diverse enough to appeal to a, a prog fan. So I think that's the general thing we're going for here. Yeah. So uh, going chronologically, I would bet this guy is on your lists as well, I would think, but <laughs> I'm going first. So here we go. Uh, yeah. Kevin Gilbert. I think Kevin is one of those artists that any prog fan would love and appreciate. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are already fans and already completely aware of him, but you know, there, inevitably there's going to be maybe some younger fans that maybe don't know who he is. Right. Um, he came on the scene in, in 1990. So uh, with, uh, with Toy Matinee, and that was the first time I heard, heard of him. And Toy Matinee was Kevin and Patrick Leonard. Uh, Patrick went on to uh, produce a whole bunch of stuff with Roger Waters and, you know, did the Amused to Death album with, with Roger and other things. But talking about Kevin, uh, Toy Matinee, first time I heard that album, it blew my mind. It was uh, kind of like, you know, Steely Dan uh, mixed yeah. with Yes and Trevor Rabin. Um, mm. And anyway, they only did that one album. It's a complete masterpiece, one of my favorite albums. And um, in the live band was uh, Cheryl Crow, who was his girlfriend at the time. Mm. And... Uh, and anyway, carrying on with Kevin, he went on to make uh, the, the album Thud in 1995, and Nick DiVirgilio was with him at that point. And, and then he passed away a year later in 1996. Uh, I actually was in talks with him at the time uh, about producing uh, Dream Theater's Falling Into Infinity, and, mm -hmm. and he was working with Spock Spirit at that time. Uh, so as you can see, he's kind of intertwined with yeah. a lot of different prog artists and people, you know, between Nick and Neil and Spocks. And uh, uh, so anyway, he was a, a genius. And then after he passed away, Nick finished up the Shaming of the True album that, that he was working on, which was a, a full-blown concept album and, and another masterpiece. So yeah, he's one of those artists, kind of like a Peter Gabriel type mm -hmm. uh, producer, songwriter, musician, and uh Huge, huge loss uh, yeah. losing him. He was such a talent. No, absolutely. Absolute genius. Uh, Shaming of the True is, I think, one of the greatest albums ever made. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really incredible in the way. Apparently, he had left detailed notes and all this stuff, and they went back in and, and uh, re, you know finished it, and maybe Nick recorded a few drum parts and stuff and filled it out. And uh, Yeah, I actually have the original. I have the tapes as they were left by Kevin. Oh, Nick wow. Nick shared him with me at the time before he finished it up. So I actually had the whole album, you know, as, as it was when, when Kevin passed. 
And it's really interesting to hear, you know, what Nick went on to do to finish the album. Hi, John. It's Mel from Megalophone. I've been listening to your tape for the 19th time. Oh, that's another call. Can I call you back Hi, John, when I it's was in a band? We used to sound, sound like this. And, the way you and I loved your songs. I really they think reminded it's great. Can we make of myself? You sound like in a good way. Here's my other number. I'll get back to you. Have my name is Johnny Virgil. I play this here guitar. I play it for myself. Can we speak candidly? Yeah, that's an album every every prog fan should at least know that album a hundred percent. It's and the Toy Matinee album and Third. I think all three of those are essential uh, albums to, to and he did he did win a grammy with cheryl crow and her first album the yeah, uh, Tuesday yeah. music club or whatever it was and yeah uh so so yeah that's a great one not on my list um but a great oh, one good i'm glad uh, i got it in there yeah then. yeah all right uh kyle what do you got yeah uh good pick uh so i guess it's just like a little bit of a preface because i can't do anything i'm obsessive compulsive so I, I feel like to do a list like this i had to tr- sort of come up with some criteria to feel like i was being consistent <laughs> i'd say and I won't go chronological. I am kind of ranking them, you know, based on what I think is fifth through first. But uh, just for some quick criteria and see if y'all agree with this or not. But so we're, we're picking non-prog bands that prog fans should like, basically. Um, I feel like to go with that, what do we like about prog that has drawn us to prog? Um, that we, it was some of these bands, maybe people have missed just because of the genre not lining up. But I think bands that are creative, uh, they're artistic, they're experimental, um, and so, uh, bands that are sophisticated, I think that's one of the big things for prog fans is sophisticated is kind of uh, like a douchey word a little bit, but like, it just means that like music that's not necessarily three chords, three minutes, four, four, that sort of thing. And so bands that subvert these tendencies to make something more interesting, maybe elevated. Um, and then that they're consistent. So I don't want a band that's just made one good album that would appeal to a prog fan, but like several good albums. And so I think as a music fan, the best thing is to find a band with a deep catalog that you discover and you can dive into for a couple months. Um, and I think they need, to, they need to make good music. And so I, I think, you know, I had a lot of people criticizing some of the drum picks because we didn't necessarily pick the most technical drummers, but I want drummers and I'm always drawn to musicians and bands and drummers that are part of great music. And, and so it's one thing to be a virtuoso, but it's another thing to also make great music. And so I don't have a lot of the kind of virtuoso like fusion, you know, drummers that also have bands that aren't prog, even though some people might like those or like maybe even some like real amazing guitar players that have albums because maybe the songs aren't quite as good. So anyway. Yeah. I, I would think most people, most of the bands we're going to list on this list are song oriented yeah. artists. I would think I'm that's just, what I'm after. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, to clear that out of the way, hopefully that's helpful. Uh, my number five pick is maybe too on the nose or too obvious, but I do feel like when I look at younger prog fans, let's say, I think this guy's work gets overlooked and that's David Bowie. Um, and so for me, he embodies the spirit of prog rock, even though he's really more of an art rock icon. And so that's a whole nother like separate conversation is what's really the difference in art rock and prog rock. But uh, Bowie is obviously active for like almost 50 years. Um, he's always experimenting both with his look and his sound. Few of his albums are alike uh, and none of his albums are prog. He doesn't really have like, in my opinion, like a, a, and you may disagree, but like a true like prog album, but he's got elements throughout. And yeah. uh, even up to his, his death, like his last album, Black Star is great. Um, and so, 
yeah, he's kind of my pick there. A lot of really cool, like, trivia about him that's kind of related to Prague that I thought I would share real quickly um, is, is that, and I'm sure, Mike, I know you like Bowie a lot. You probably know this, but Rick Wakeman played Mellotron on Space Oddity album in 69. He also worked on uh, 71's Hunky Dory. And uh, I thought it was funny about Wakeman, just as an aside, because this is a Prague podcast. He was called One Take Wakeman at the time. He did a lot of, you know, studio work. And he's actually given a choice in 71 to either join Bowie's The Spiders from Mars or join Yes. And literally in the same day, Bowie invited him to join his band. And Chris Squire called him at 2 a.m. after Tony Kay was asked to leave. Um, and so Wakeman chose Yes because his first audition, get this, was they did Heart of the Sunrise and they did Roundabout uh, working on Fragile. And so he turned Bowie down. But uh, <laughs> Robert Fripp also played guitar on Heroes and Scary Monsters. So there is some prog, obviously, crossover there. And then, of course, we can talk about Bowie's music um, kind of as a group, I think. Well, I, I think he really never made an, uh, an album that sounded like the previous one. That, that you can say pretty confidently um, throughout, throughout his career. You know, I wasn't the biggest Bowie fan. I think a lot of classic stuff probably came out either around the time I was born or before. Um, but I, I was a fan of, of a lot of the... I, I don't know, Ashes to Ashes and Space Oddity and, of course, the Ziggy Stardust album. And there's a lot of stuff there that I do like. But some of the stuff later on, I, I can't listen to Let's Dance and stuff like that now. I don't know. That, that, yeah. That, I, awesome. yeah, sure. There's just a lot in between, though. You've got, like, songs, even, like, scattered songs that are really progressive, I think. Like, there's a song, Signet Committee, that's on Space Oddity. It's 10 minutes long. Wakeman's, like, playing this electric harpsichord thing as it, as it outros. Uh, Station to Station, which is like his Coke fueled album of '76. Um, it's got a you know ten minute long out song that the the title track. Um, he's got his like Berlin trilogy, which is like kind of like the art rock trifecta they call it. Um, so I guess I guess it kind of comes down to like with art rock, it's sort of like a little bit less sophisticated version of prog rock with more noise attached, kind of, um, but certainly very experimental um, and just lots of great albums. You named you know Ziggy Stardust probably his best I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you I'm a space invader I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you keep your mouth shut just walking like a big monkey bird and I'm busting up my brains for the I mean, Mike, I know he's a big artist for you, uh, one that you've always talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Ziggy's in my top five albums of all time from any band, any genre. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, to me, it's a, a masterpiece from start to finish, uh, from five years to rock and roll suicide and everything in between. I uh, covered rock and roll suicide with Neil and Randy. And uh, it's funny, as much as I love that album, my two favorite Bowie songs aren't even on that album because Space Oddity is one of my all-time favorite songs and and uh the other one is life on mars from hunky dory both of which as kyle just pointed out rick wakeman played on 
to me, Life on Mars is just brilliantly written. It's just haunting in terms of composition and melody and chord progressions and the production with the cellos and oh it's it I, it's just one of my all-time favorites so yeah great pick I'm, I'm a bowie fanatic you know you know what i saw recently someone shared on facebook it was or something the uh, i'm afraid of, Amer of americans video yeah and even then if you think about it that was way ahead of its time that song and that was in the mid 90s sure. but you look at that now and that could come out today and it was as poignant and everything as as all the stuff he ever did so yeah. I mean, he was a, a genius for sure. All right. So my take on my top five is that I, I, I don't know, I'm going a little bit weird, but I'm, I'm trying to go maybe from the least proggiest to the most proggiest by the time I get to my five. And we'll, we'll see if that kind of holds. I made a last minute change. I wanted to talk about one band that probably isn't really belonging on this list, but that I really feel strongly is important for rock fans to know. So I'm just going to mention them, but they're not my number five and that's the struts. So yeah. I don't know if you're a fan of them, Mike. I know Eddie Trunk talks about them like every single day. Cause he's yeah, exactly. Eddie's been going on and on about them. He, he just invited me to go see them with them a few days ago and uh, I couldn't make it over, but yeah, yeah, those guys are really cool. Good they're, songwriters. They're really cool. Great songwriters. They're not proggy. They're not experimental, but they have sort of a queen thing and, and just we need new rock bands to hit radio, and they're one that could totally do it. So I think that's a good one if you like regular rock. To, yeah, I was, I was going to put them on the list, but it didn't really match what we were doing. Um, so, but my number five is a, another band that, uh, you know, sort of electronic, uh, experimental. I mean, and outside of the prog world, the best live band I've ever seen. Um, not in terms of shredding, but the performance, the performances are insane. Uh, actually, unfortunately, all the band members aren't in the band anymore except for the singer. But that's Mute Math. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Yeah. Um, but uh, the drummer plays keyboards as well, right? Or at least he used to. They well, they all played all the instruments. Right. That was one of the things they would do. And the shows, it was like gymnastics. The keyboardists would jump from the keyboards onto the drums. They would flip the drums backwards, and it, it was craziness. Um, and the drummer is he's a lunatic on stage. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Darren King. He's amazing. He left. I think he got more into like the hip hop world and stuff like that. But he was really one of the key parts of the band. And he's not there anymore. He used to put headphones on and then put duct tape around them. And that's how he would play all all show. Wow. Um, yeah. But actually were, also, there's a concert where he broke, I think, his ankle or something and kept playing. Which yeah. kind of reminds I know Mike did that at one point. I don't know if he broke it, but you've had a couple of those experiences like right. hyper your uh, wrist and hurt your ankle and stuff like that. So. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very sort of keyboard heavy samples and loops and stuff, but they also have a, a, a little bit of police in them. Their debut album is their best album that came out in, I think, 06, self-titled. That's the best album. The second and third one, they're good. Um, they started to lose their, lose their way with the last one because all the members started to leave and it was just the lead singer. And while he wrote most of the songs, it just became um, just sort of noises and samples without actual melody on the last album so they kind of lost me a little bit but their catalog is awesome otherwise and uh, hopefully they still stick around but um that's a, a really really cool band i think they had a minor hit with spotlight which was on the uh vampires uh what's those th those vampire movies that were out for a while back <laughs> twilight yeah twilight that was yeah. it um and uh yeah so, I mean, do you ever see them, Mike? Do you ever see them live? Or, or? I, No, I've only seen YouTube clips. In fact, I remember when I was putting together 
the first Progressive Nation tours, they were on my list. And I think I even, if I remember correctly, it was already 10 years ago, but I think I made contact with one of the band guys and, um, you know, they were on my, on my possible, possible list. And I remember seeing a lot of YouTube clips and stuff while I was, you know, looking into them and stuff. But yeah, really cool choice. It's hard to trust anyone again After all the letdowns I've been through Haunted by what I've been through There's to trap while I still can breathe And I'm screaming out Give me help somehow Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah I know you stay true when my world is false Everything around's breaking down the chaos I always see you when my sight is lost Everything around's breaking down the chaos I know you stay true when my world is false Everything around's breaking down the chaos see mike number four all right well i'm going to assume jellyfish is on somebody's list so uh you don't have to give it away right now but i'm not gonna go with jellyfish if, if jellyfish isn't on either of your list then i want to come back to them because they would be my number one pick but assuming that we're not going assuming that we're going to talk about them from one of your lists i'm going to go instead <laughs> with one of the offshoot bands which is the grays and okay. uh the grays uh, it's, that's not G-R-A-Z-E. It's gray, right. it's like it's in the color, color gray. And uh, that was a band that Jason Faulkner went on to uh, form after he left Jellyfish after the first album. And he formed this band with, with John Bryan, uh, who's gone on to be a, a great, great uh, film scorer. He did the score for Magnolia and uh, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. And, and dozens of others but anyway this was a, a a band that only put out one album in 1994 it's called rochambeau yeah and to me it's one of my favorite unknown albums oh, it's I mean, so this, it's so good I love it's, that. it's amazing so it, i mean if you if you are a jellyfish fan this is essential to the jellyfish uh catalog and it's yeah. jason and john two other guys um and it's just uh one of those one of those albums where every song is, is amazing. Great, great songwriting, great production. Uh, the production is very Beatlesque at times and uh, good headphone stuff. And a shame that they only ever did one album. True. No, that album's amazing. And what's weird is it's one of those albums a lot of people sort of know about, but, but it never did anything. I, I, so I think that they have a nice reputation, sort of this underground masterpiece that came out back at, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was. Do you have um, Jason Faulkner's solo albums too? Do you listen to yeah, those? Yeah, I have all his solo albums. I follow him. Uh, he now plays in, in Beck's band along with Roger Manning. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was so Jason and Roger have been reunited in Beck's band for, for many, many years now. Um, but yeah, I... I, I and, and uh, you know I don't want to get off off tangent, but there's a lot of great jellyfish offshoots as well. Like the Imperial Drag album was also really interesting, which was Roger Manning Roger. And, um, and Eric Dover's band after <laughs> after Jellyfish broke up. So yeah, there's a lot of great jellyfish offshoots, but the Grays is my favorite of them. Okay, 
album it's amazing um the single very best years is just so well written so which, which also reminds me of kevin gilbert first time i heard uh very best years it sounded to me like a kevin kevin gilbert song so yeah that's a great song. one and uh uh yeah and i love the jason faulkner stuff i also have all his solo albums and um he's a he's an underrated genius as well great great songwriter so I was not as familiar with, with Jellyfish is Funny that you're asking if we put it on there. I thought you would put it on there because you always talk about it. Yeah, I, I didn't put them on my – I'm going to say that just just to pause that, I did oh. not put them on my list because I thought for sure you were going to. But that, <laughs> but that So I want to mention that now just in case. Yeah, well, let's absolutely just take a minute to talk about them because <laughs> now knowing that they weren't on any of the, our three lists because we were all anticipating it being <laughs> on the other list, I mean, to me, that is the number one – my number one favorite band that's not a prog band yeah spilt milk is uh in my top 10 of all time it's an absolute masterpiece as as is jellyfish's first album belly button uh just absolute sonic masterpieces spilt milk to me is like sergeant pepper and pet sounds and a night at the opera all rolled in one so uh yeah, so I just the, wish they, I knew the biggest uh, honorable mention of them all for me. Yeah, I just wish I knew what Andy Sturmer disappeared from. Like I, you know, I would love to speak to him and interview him and find out what happened. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, the funny for those thing that is, don't know Andy was Andy was the drummer, but also the lead vocalist and songwriter in the right. band. And he actually played drums at the front of the stage on a cocktail kit, standing yep. up, standing up, playing a cocktail drum kit and singing. So it was the best really voice. unique. Just the best voice. Yeah. Um, and I love all those B-sides. Uh, you know, Watching the Rain is one of my favorite songs um, that, uh, that was a B-side of On Spilt Milk. I used to collect those. I had a bunch of CD singles when they came out. And I have a bunch of Jellyfish CD singles with bonus tracks. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a hardcore fan like, like you are. I, I had all the stuff. Yeah. I had, you know, so love, the, love that band more than anything. Um, all right, Kyle, you're up. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say along those lines, like power pop, which they are, is, is sort of like one of those genres that I think should appeal to most prog fans, uh, even though it's in a lot of ways unrelated. But it's got its base, I guess, sort of in the Beatles and everything kind of followed. But I, I did like a whole night just listening to power pop bands. So I listened to all these we're talking about. Uh, and there's a lot of right there in the 90s, kind of like just right around grunge or slightly post grunge of bands that uh, Matthew Sweet, Super Drag, the Posies that are all like kind of XTC style power pop bands. A uh, lot of really good stuff there that I think prog fans would like. Well, Weezer, I don't, I don't know if you're going to mention Weezer, yeah. but Weezer is my favorite power pop man. You know, I love the blue album and then Pinkerton, the second album was, was really experimental. So I don't know if you're going there, but it, you know, talking about uh, power pop Weezer and also Ben folds five and yeah, Ben folds solo stuff are, are, you know, those are two of my favorites in that genre. Yeah. Yeah. I actually drove eight hours to see Ben Folds, and uh, the, the the show was canceled. So, oh, was wow. 
bad cosmic. It's just right before the internet would have told us those things. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So number number four for me, I'm definitely not going the power pop direction on this one. And this one might be one that y'all have not listened to, and it might be one that people really disagree with, and that's fine. Uh, but the pick is uh, again a band that I think people should like if they like what they like about Prague, but it's uh, St. Vincent. Um, and so St. Vincent, it's the stage name of Annie Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, she studied at Berkeley for three years, which puts her obviously in a lot of good company. Um, she began her music career actually as a member of the polyphonic spree, which is this like, you know, 20, 30, 40 group psychedelic pop band. And also Sufjan Stevens, uh, who I really think both of those artists could be on a list like this in their own right. Um, for me, she's one of the, the past decades most distinct, uh, and I'd say like innovative guitarists. She's got a signature guitar through Ernie Ball. They don't just give those away. And she reminds me, honestly, a lot like uh, David Bowie in the, in the way that each album is a new sound and a new look. And that look kind of um, plays a part with the sound in a way. Um, and so artistically, it matches. And so her music has progressed. Um, she, I think another thing about Prague that, uh, that I like is that it combines genres and she does that, not the same sort of genres as most prog bands, so more stuff like definitely art rock, but also experimental noise, electropop, jazz. And she's also got this sort of chamber pop or baroque pop kind of thing going on. So chamber pop, kind of like the Pet Sound sound, baroque pop, kind of like In My Life by the Beatles. And so you're combining rock with elements of classical, lots of strings, horns, vocal harmonies. And so I, I just love her. She's one of my favorite artists the last several years. And easily one of the best live performers I've ever watched. So go see her. And it's one that I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, I've tried to listen to her and I I can't stand it, but I I love what she's, what she's done and what she's doing. I write to give word the war is over, send my senders home to mother. They gave me a medal for my valor and trumpet spit the soot of power they say I'm on your side when I guess you could put me maybe in that camp. I'm not too familiar, yeah. but what I've heard, I wasn't blown away. But uh, but I'm open to hearing more if you got if you can suggest an album to check out. Yeah, so she's I guess had five or six albums. She had one with David Byrne, and so I think Talking Heads could be on a list like this too if if you want to go that direction. Um, her two best though I think are 2011 Strange Mercy, 2014 Self Titled. Uh, I think both of those have a lot of prog elements on them. All right, cool. But you either like it or you don't. I, I it's one of those sort of things, but. I feel like there's more to like there than not. Uh, okay, so I'm going a little bit uh, heavier for uh, my next pick. Yeah, we haven't, we don't have any heavy bands yet, so this will cover that, I think. Um, a band that only released a couple albums uh, on major labels, and that's uh, Fair to Midland. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. I'm obsessed with them. And anytime anybody asks me if there's a band that they don't know that I would recommend, that's the band I tell them about. 
And uh, again, also live, blew my mind. Um, Darrow, the singer, he's insane with this ridiculous range. Um, could growl like death metal and sing hot, higher than Freddie Mercury at, on, in the same song. Wow. And um, their two albums are, are crazy. I mean, they, they're sort of... If they're heavily influenced by Faith No More, keyboards are right up front. And the keyboardist used to play with, instead of the keyboards normal, he would be, you know, standing up. The keyboards were tilted backwards and he was playing down on them. Um, so that, like yeah, so the top of the key was, the top of the keyboard was facing downwards wow. and the keys were upwards. And that's how he would play. Um, and uh, I saw them in clubs at South by Southwest and it would just was crazy. And I became obsessed with them. And so they were signed. They were the first band signed to Serge's label from uh, System of a Down mm -hmm. for the first album, which didn't do well. They got dropped. They put together a second one called Arrows and Anchors, which is amazing and has this brilliant song called Musical Chairs, which is uh, just awesome. And so um, if you like sort of heavy, strange ridiculous uh music that not as wild as mr bungle but it has a it's that whole type of vibe um that's definitely i would always tell people to check out that band another band that was on my uh, progressive nation list around that time because I, I remember when that the first album came out it was around 2007 or so right yeah yeah and i have both of those albums actually good pick i, I haven't God, i'm gonna have to break them back out i haven't listened to them in years Man, that, there's that this crazy song called uh, ricky tiki tavi that he does which is just the craziest song ever it's i can't even explain it you have to you have to check that out so uh you told me to check them out the other day and i did and they're great they kind of remind me of like a perfect circle uh, in, in some ways, you may or may not agree, but uh, another band I considered for this list, but they're really awesome. I, again, like mixing a lot of genres, but really yeah. like a rock, you know, powerhouse rock band. All right, cool. All right, well, Mike. Just, just, just to follow up with that pick, and I'm going to mention a band that I didn't put on my list because maybe it's too too obvious, but this is a good, probably a good time to mention Mr. Mungle. Uh, one, another one that is on the top of my all-time favorite album list. I didn't put them on my list here, but just to follow up with, uh, you mentioned yeah. Fair to Midland and System of a Down. If you like that kind of heavier, more eclectic, crazy stuff, you got to listen to Mr. Bungle. Their three albums are, are all incredible. And then there's a million offshoots between Mike Patton and, and Trey and uh, uh, Secret Chiefs 3. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other world. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just to follow up with Fair to Midland, uh, it, that's definitely a worthy, honorable mention. All right, absolutely. Yeah, that Mr. Bungle record's crazy. The first one, I mean. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, you're, uh, you're number three. Well, uh, this is uh, <laughs> more of an album than an artist. Obviously, the, the artist has a huge catalog and a huge discography. But 
he made one album in particular that I think any Prague fan would absolutely love and appreciate. So it's, it's Chris Cornell mm. and talking about his first solo album, uh, Euphoria Morning, yeah. which he did in 1999. And, uh, to me, it's it's an absolute masterpiece. One of my favorite, uh, once again, one of my favorite albums of all time. And basically, this was his collaboration with with Alan Johannes and Natasha Schneider of the band Eleven. Uh, those two had done. Uh, they had a band called Eleven with Jack Irons from the Red Hot Chili Peppers playing drums. And since then, uh, Alan's gone on to work with uh, Queens of the Stone Age and and a lot of Foo Fighters stuff. He actually even mixed the. Uh, the last big elf album that I did with Damon. So uh, gives you an idea of kind of Alan's background collaborating with Chris Cornell. Obviously Chris was coming out of um, obviously Soundgarden and uh, Audio Slave. And this album, it's, it's just one of those albums where every song is, is so well written and the chord progressions are so unique and the melodies are so unique and they take twists and turns that you wouldn't expect um and just one of those albums that that is just a, an all-time favorite first listening to that album um yeah that's a great one i mean you know his uh i guess the year anniversary of his passing just just happened about a i guess it was in may yeah and uh yeah look one of the greatest voices in rock i mean what can you say one of the best yeah. singers ever yeah it's funny i mean the funny thing about chris is i remember when soundgarden first came on the scene i saw them on the uh what is it louder than love or, or i can't remember the name of the album but uh uh, before they broke, they first came on the scene. I saw them tour uh, a bunch of times. I saw them tour with, with uh, Faith No More and, and um, Voivod, actually. And I remember Chris, I remember people saying at that time, like the weak link of the band was Chris, like Chris's voice. People were like, oh my God, the singer, he's screaming, he's screaming. <laughs> and then he, he went on to become regarded as one of the great singers of all time. Yeah. You know, once he honed in on his craft and then really started to utilize his voice. But I remember in the early Soundgarden days, it was, uh, it was the weak link at that point. That's funny, because to me, they, he, was, he was the best thing about Soundgarden. <laughs> I got yeah. so frustrated sometimes with the guitar playing right. and the solos, because I was coming from liking you guys and what you guys were doing, and I was like, that's not guitar playing. Yeah. But, but the one thing uh, that I loved was his voice. Right. So, well, he surely got there. But if yeah. you listen to those early first couple Soundgarden albums, there's a lot of screaming. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, I, I love I love Audio Slave. Also, you, you mentioned Alan uh, Johannes. I know him from um, them Crooked Vultures, which was yeah, like exactly. one of my favorite albums the last ten years. Um, 
So a lot of good stuff. I think Audio Slave, I don't think they fit a list like this necessarily, but that first album I wore out, it was, it was one of my favorites. Soundgarden could probably be on this list in some ways. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Super Unknown is, is you yeah. know, you could argue it's half progressive in there if you yeah. wanted to. Well, Soundgarden um, also was probably the most mainstream, you know, grunge band or whatever you want to call it that was playing in Odd Time Signatures. You know, all yeah. the other grunge bands were just about 4-4 four, four mm-hmm. and, and just being as punk rock as possible. But Soundgarden, like, almost every song was, was based on Odd Time Signatures. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, who do you got, Kyle? Number three. Number three, all right. This may be on your list, and it may not, um, but it's uh, Radiohead. Um, yeah. So Radiohead, one of these bands that, you know, they started as one thing. In the middle, they were kind of something else, and then now they're even something else, which is obviously a progression. So I think they fit in that way. And so I think probably more than any other mainstream band of the last 20 years, they've taken what is traditional rock mythology, and they've subverted it. And so they've become disillusioned with it and they've changed it. They've deconstructed it and they've pushed themselves. And I think other pop music and certainly indie rock music into uncharted territory. Um, and so I think their results, unlike some other bands on my list where I, where I really like the songs like someone like David Bowie, like he's progressive, but I love his songs. Uh, some of their songs I don't, I'm not drawn to in the same way. And so it's more challenging, which in and of itself is progressive, I think. Um, and I think one of the things I hate about putting them on this list, it's sort of like, Stephen Wilson, to an extent, you know, he's fought against this progressive tag in the past. Uh, Radiohead has really fought against it. And so when OK Computer came out in 97, people, you know, called it a progressive album. They called Paranoid Android a progressive song. And a reporter actually asked them, well, were you influenced by Genesis or Pink Floyd? And their answer was, uh, no, we hate all progressive rock music. (laughs) Um, And I don't think that's necessarily true, but I don't think it's a stream that they were floating down. Um, I think in later interviews, they've kind of like maybe loosened on that some. I don't know what it is that people hate about Prague, but they don't want to give into it. Certainly not the way that these guys think. Uh, I did see where Johnny Greenwood said that he was influenced by the Mellotron that's on Genesis Records, like Nursery Crime, selling England by the pound uh, for what he used on Paranoid Android. Um, There's a lot that could be said. I think the two most obvious albums are OK Computer. I know Mike loves it. I love it. Uh, it, It probably maybe a top five album of the 90s uh very progressive Kid A, and I'll just pause. I don't, it's one of those albums that, like, is it experimental for experimental sake or is it actually a good album? Either way, it's progressive. But, Mike, what's your thought on Kid A? Uh, well, I'm glad you listed Radiohead. I didn't put them on my list because I thought either they were too, ma- too obvious or I was hoping one of you would have it. So I'm glad yeah. you do. Uh, 
I kid. They started to lose me with Kid A because. I, well, well, let me backtrack. I'll say that I absolutely love them, and OK Computer is in my top ten of all time. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> to me, that's the Sergeant Pepper of their generation. I mean, it was really just a game changer, and uh, every one of those albums where every song is unbelievable. You mentioned Paranoid Android, but also uh, I love Karma Police. I love Exit Music for a Film is one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, I mean, everything about the production on that album and the songwriting is as good as it gets. I mean, as groundbreaking as Sgt. Pepper, as far as I'm concerned. But my second pick of theirs would be the previous album before that. The Benz. I I agree with you there. Yeah, The Benz is amazing. The Benz is another album of amazing... That was kind of like... uh, You know, their revolver before Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, (laughs) right. And, uh, and, and similar to like I was saying about Bowie before, about one of my favorite songs not being on one of my favorite albums, you got to also, mm-hmm. you know, creep from their first album. That pretty much, that was their space oddity, you know, put them on the map and set yeah. them up to be able to do the albums like the men's and, and OK Computer. But in answer to your question, after OK Computer, they started to lose me. I think Kid A has some great songs. And um, what was the other one? Amnesiac. Uh, uh, both of those are kind of like OK Computer Light, but that's when they started to kind of, as far as I, as far as my ears go, it was just became more experimental than good songs. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't sound like a band playing. You know, you listen to OK Computer, even as, as, as experimental it is, you hear like, uh, you know, Karma Police or, or sure. Airbag, it sounds like a band playing. And the later albums started to just get too experimental and too electronic for me. Well, I, yeah. I, I'm with you exactly. I mean, Kid, uh, uh, Kid A was, I, I couldn't figure out if I liked it or if I was supposed to like it. I couldn't. <laughs> I, and, I, and then it became this whole, you know, I, I felt sometimes you get these bands where, you know, it was the joke, like they could fart and Rolling Stone would give it five stars. Right. And I, I felt yeah. like that's what Radiohead was becoming, where maybe In Rainbows actually turned me around a little bit because that was half decent. Um, but uh, a lot of the stuff after OK Computer was like, eh, they're just fooling with us now. They're just, it's a, they're making a joke. <laughs> like they're not trying to write But all song. that being said, I mean, you know, the, the top of this list of this conversation, like I said earlier, Jellyfish was, would be one, Radiohead would be another, you know. Yeah. I absolutely, yeah. I think, but look, you know, I think I, I put OK Computer at, at, in the appendix on my book. I, I, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's yeah. one of the greatest albums ever yeah. made. So I, think I, struggle, I struggle with them, you know. Like I, I love that, but I don't really love a lot of the stuff they did. Yeah, I think for me that's the point of the pick is that it's a band that a lot of Prague fans have probably ignored um, even me myself in past years, like when OK Computer came out, I loved it. I remember listening to it on my CD player, my Walkman. When Kid A came out, I completely discounted them for about six, seven years. Um, and so it's not been until I've gone back into it to, to get more out of it. Um, so I can sit here and defend Kid A and defend some of these albums, but I understand what you're saying. I don't think they're having a laugh, you know, with those albums, but um, – <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I think they've got some other good albums too. And, and to your point, Mike, about them not sounding like a band, they've literally not set up as a band since OK Computer. And it was funny in, a, in an interview, Tom said that they were considering doing it on their upcoming album. So yeah. I'd love to see them kind of return and kind of be the band that they were on the bins and on OK Computer. Well, uh, you kind of like, you know, I compared it to Revolver and to Sgt. Pepper. And then that's what I'm with the Beatles. They stopped playing as a band. Yeah. 
And then they got back together. You know, they finally did it with the get back sessions, which turned into let it be. So, but that was only a few years later. It's been 20 for radio. <laughs> Come on guys, get in a room together and play. We'll mention as well, the Johnny Greenwood, who's gone yeah. on to score like the last three or four Paul Thomas Anderson films as well. Yep. yep. Yeah. And in fairness, like as a live band, Radiohead is a band for me that comes alive too. Cause they, they do have to translate this stuff into a live performance and I think they do that very well personally. So um, yeah. anyway. Okay. So uh, yeah, these are good. Um, let's see. My number three is probably the most famous band on my list. Um, but I think they border on that progressive territory a little bit, not on the technical side, but in, in their la- later albums is Tears for Fears. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, again, another one of my all time favorite bands and, a lot of bands like like Tears for Fears for me, I always I become a fan after they're no longer popular, um, and uh, so the hurting I wasn't I, I wasn't aware of them back then. I, I like some of the songs on that stuff. Obviously, Mad World and, and some stuff I think is amazing still. Um, songs from the Big Chair, everybody knows that's one with all the hits. Uh, but then after that is when to me they got good. Um, so sowing the seeds of love is totally prog. Um, you know, Phil Collins playing drums on, on there and, and some amazing musicians. Badman song is a total prog jazz, you know, jam. Um, and then the albums after that, Elemental is one of my favorite albums ever. Rules and the Kings of Spain is, is great. And they got back together in 04 for uh, Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, which has all, it's all beatles the entire way through um, mm. with lots of different styles, different parts, mellotrons and orchestras and, all that they they stopped trying to write the hit single because no one was going to care anyway and um just went all out for it so um from if i don't even need the hit albums for this band i could start at elemental and go through the last three and i've listened to those albums to death and um so i i love them and i think that if you turned on any radio station, you'd obviously you'd hear, you know, head over heels or shout or everybody wants to rule the world. But if you hate those songs and never wanted to check out that band, just go on Spotify and listen to Elemental or Royals and the Kings of Spain. It's a completely different band and they're awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think you should totally check them out. Wake up, you're on your own agenda. I give up the great pretender. know much about them to be honest except i have seen them live because uh when i first became friends with nick Virgilio uh after the light came out i guess that was 93 yeah. or four or five i can't remember the year but at that time um he was still playing drums for them live yeah. so uh actually the first time me and nick met because we would become like phone pals and pen pals 
uh, first time we met in person, he invited me after the show and I went and saw the show and, and uh, hung out with him for the first time. But yeah, that's, that's the first time I'd uh, seen them live. And uh, honestly, don't know much more about them. I never dug into I, I'm them. telling you, to, just if you want, the, the last album they did in 04, which was their reunion album where the two guys got back together, Everybody Loves a Happy Ending. The first song is from the, it's like from the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, and there's Jellyfish on there, Super Tramp. It's all that kind of style, and it's amazing. And you, of all people, I'm telling you, you would love it. All right, I'm going in. Um, Okay, Mike, number two. You know, it's funny. As we're sitting here, my my list is changing in my head. I actually, (laughs) I'm changing my number two. All right. I'm going to give you quickly what my number two was, and it ties in with the Radiohead conversation we just had. So it won't be my official number two pick, but it'll be an honorable mention. It is Casey McPherson's uh, first band called Endosheen. Okay. And that ties in a lot with the Radiohead conversation. Basically... That was the first thing I had ever heard him do, and it was on the heels. It was of on the heels of OK Computer and the whole Radiohead mania. And I think Casey was in this band with another guy named Nathan Holland, and they put out this album day two. And I uh, love, love, love that album, and uh, definitely worth picking up and checking out if you don't know it. That's how I discovered Casey, and he was very much in that Tom York Radiohead uh headspace at that time but anyway so that's an honorable mention and it just got bumped from my list in <laughs> in place of uh being replaced by my official number two pick which is the flaming lips oh, no. oh okay and uh the flaming lips is another band like radiohead where they've been through so many incarnations they started punk rock then they got like art rock and experimental and now they're you know <laughs> off the deep end so it's a very similar kind of uh, path as radiohead but to me, um, there's a, a kind of a golden era in the middle for the Flaming Lips. And they had a, a, a kind of a holy trilogy, a, three, a one, two, three punch of, of albums that were masterpieces. And uh, it was uh, The Soft Bulletin, which came out in 99. Then uh, they followed that up with Yoshimi Battles, The Pink Robot in 2002. And then uh, 2006's At War with the Mystics. So those three albums are real headphone studio albums with uh, incredible production, incredible engineering techniques and interesting mixing choices. Uh, Great, great headphone albums. All three of those, I think, are albums that any prog fan would appreciate and love. There's a song on At War with the Mystics, uh, which is a a total Pink Floyd tribute. It's called Pompeii Am Goddardamrung. And it sounds like it could have been written, you know, on... Pink Floyd metal live at Pompeii era. Uh, it's incredible. The, and if you see them live, they're another one of those bands where their live show is just insane. They have like uh, animated Muppets and things flying around and the singer goes into the audience in a ball. And the thing about the singer, Wayne, he's another kind of singer where, you know, if you look at it on paper, his voice is horrible. He's got that Roger Waters kind of... yeah voice where it's straining and it could be flat but it doesn't matter because it's personality and it's his his songwriting ability and and his emotion and his passion uh that that kind of is is more important than anything else and uh he's one of those artists where you know it's kind of like a a prog bob dylan in, in a way yeah but uh i have to put them on my list and those three albums in particular to me are are mandatory listening Oh, oh, oh. 
that feels like a good band to be on this list. They exactly fit the mold of they're completely strange and out there and try to do something weird every time and they get away with it and they have a uh, critical acclaim and the whole thing is perfect. Yep. 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 They, they make this list. For me. So I listened to them as actually two nights ago. I, I spent a whole night listening to them and I, I was familiar mostly with those three albums you talked about and they are great. I, I particularly like the soft bulletin. It's a great like vinyl kind of album. A lot of stuff yeah, going totally. on. There's a song. Uh, what is the light? I was just looking it up. It's got this, I remembered it's got this extremely long, like subtitle sort of like, uh, Kubrick's um, Dr. Strangelove has like, the, you know, like the alternate title, but you got to look this up, the alternate title that, that makes it something Prague fans should like just in mm. and of itself. It's like 35 words long or something. So um, really great choice. They were in my like top seven. They just missed my list. Barely. <laughs> or right, who do you have? Number two, number two. All right. This is one. I, I know Mike likes this band and I guess this is one I almost didn't put it on the list because like, if you look up genres for a band, like, say, on Wikipedia, you know, they're going to list, like, the first genre and the second and the third. And a lot of these bands have, you know, four or five different genres. Their third genre is going to be progressive metal or rock. But um, I, I saw it said that they're a fusion of glam, electronica, progressive rock, and then Radiohead-influenced experimentation. And this band has changed, and so you may not like their last couple albums, but I still think they fit. It's the band Muse. Hmm. Um and so I, I just, I really like the band. And so it's funny, it's a band that as I was getting into progressive rock at the same time, I was listening to Muse. So again, I'm a younger guy. So I was listening to them because I was attracted to them kind of for the, their pop reasons, but it's like, as they grew and as they changed, as I loved Prague more, it's like kind of, they grew at the same time. Um, so you've got Matt Bellamy who sings kind of like Jeff Buckley a little bit. He's also an incredible guitar player. Um, and he can play the piano really well and compose things that sound real romantic. And so he's got this really nice mix of rock and classical, sort of like Prague in that way. Um, but I think really their, their defining sound is really their bassist. Um, and so he's got this overdriven driven fuzz bass that we all know. Uh, they use touch screens to kind of change the sound and pitch shift and things like that. Um, obviously, we could talk 10 minutes about the ways that I know Mike and Dream Theater have kind of traded licks back and forth between the two bands and kind of been influenced by one another. Um, so I got several of those songs written down. Oh yeah. If you yeah. like Octavarium at all, I think three songs for me in particular, Panic Attack, These Walls, Never Enough, and then later Prophets of War on Systematic Chaos. Absolutely. They all have like sort of a muse sound. That uh, was that was when we made those two albums in particular, Octavarium and Systematic yeah. Chaos. That was when I was in my muse phase and, and <laughs> Dom was also a huge fan as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, the, the Never Enough was totally Muse. Prophets of War, like you said. Uh, the, the Chorus of Panic Attack, ab absolutely. That's all straight out of Muse's Absolution, and, and, yeah. uh, which is one of my, one, once again, one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. I think I, it's not just y'all, though. Like, it wasn't, I mean, it was like even you look at, like, Knights of Sidonia, which is my favorite album by them is Black Holes and Revelations. I love Absolution, but I feel like they got a little more experimental with their next album. And there's like even on Knights of Sidonia that the kind of exiting like the uh, riff there is oh, yeah. it, it sounds a whole lot like a bridge riff in in the name of God actually on Train of yeah. Thought. And so no, there's they, just they were absolutely a huge influence on us during the yeah. the mid 2000s. Yeah, but that's them ripping you off. So there you go. You know, uh, I was well, uh, 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 St Stockholm Syndrome from Absolution is is very similar to uh, of some stuff that we've had and. Uh, sure. 
Oh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, yeah, but, well, it's funny. I like, how could anybody out there not know who Muse is? They're they're now like multi platinum. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, they're a, they're a stadium act at this point. You know, yeah. they're like kind of almost on the level of Foo Fighters at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing them on the Absolution tour playing the Electric Factory in 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 uh, Philly. You know, to maybe a thousand people, and now you know, obviously they'll do multiple nights at Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, they've they've turned into a huge mainstream band. They, uh, I was with We at the time when they released their first album, Showbiz, and I loved them then. And no, no one paid any attention to that album at the time, and it just went off without any any uh, acclaim. Um, but I was really happy that they became what they became. My problem is I sort of lost interest in their music after uh, the one with um, uh, the big yeah. hit. Second so, law, yeah. The third law, I I, I just could listen to it, and the last one, I, drones. I don't. They've they sort of lost me. I don't know. I, I think um, the black holes and revelations and the and absolution. Yeah, the resistance had had a huge song on it. The resistance, the uprising was was a big hit, and that one was sort of okay. But after that, they sort of they lost me. They a Radiohead effect sort of happened where yeah. I just didn't care anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I th- they got a little too dance and pop for my taste. Yeah. But I, I still follow them. I'll still check out every album they put out. I think they just put out a new single just this week, actually, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Simulation Theory is coming out in November. <laughs> but, you know, what do I know? They're bigger than ever, so <laughs> right. good for them. You know what I mean? Well, um, again, this is not a band that, that someone's discovering. Like, everyone knows who they are. I think they're a band that's probably been ignored by people um, just not realizing how progressive. Well, I, I think to your point about that, what what makes them fit this list is the opposite thing, right? So if you if you've heard Muse only in the last five ten years and you don't know Absolution or, or Black Holes or even the uh, before Origins. that, then yeah. uh, go go check those out because that's when that, in our opinion, the three of us talking, that's when the band was at its best. Yeah, so absolutely worth worth checking out if you if you discarded them completely. All right, so my number two, Mike, you're going to know this band. And this is a band that you toured with back in 97. Oh, okay. 97. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I was expecting and, something different. Now I'm wondering. Yeah, okay. And uh, they broke up. They got back together. Now they're sort of doing well uh, in Canada. And that's the band Big Rick. Oh, okay. Who, yeah. Um, I love them a lot. And again, this is a band that has gotten better recently so back in 97 they had a big hit with their debut album and loving memory of and they opened for dream theater on the i think it was falling into infinity tour right yeah. mm-hmm. um they had a big hit called the oaf which is still awesome if you listen to it today but then i don't know what happened the band sort of fizzled they got dropped by the label nothing happened after that and uh 
this lead guy, Ian Thornley, who's an amazing singer, similar sounding to Chris Cornell and, and mm-hmm, uh, totally. just a phenomenal guitar player, had big success in Canada. He signed with Chad Kroger from Nickelback's label and had uh, his own thing called Thornley for a few years. He somehow got reconnected with his guitar player in Big Wreck, and they decided to reform Big Wreck. And in 2012, released this amazing album called Albatross, which is an unbelievable rock, super heavy rock, crazy album. Um, but it, in 2014, they released another album called Ghosts, which is, for me, one of my favorite albums ever. And I think their best album. And now they're riding a good wave of success up in Canada. I don't know what it means to be popular in Canada. It's like saying they're big in Japan. I don't know what that means. But um, they start, they're on, they're on social media. They tour all the time. They're, they're releasing a lot of singles and videos. And they seem to have a second life uh, about them. And I think they're better than ever. Um, they certainly get no airplay or any interest in America. That's why I wanted to mention them here. Um, last year, they played in New York. After, never, after not having been there for 20 years, since the tour with you. Mm. And so I flew up there just to see them at the Gramercy, and I thought it would be me and 10 people, and it was flat out sold out, wow. and it was an amazing show. Um, so I, I can't, I mean, they became, they've become more of a sort of a Led Zeppelin-y type band. Right. Ghosts. Yeah, they, they even remind me a bit of Zeppelin back when yeah. they talked with us. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the same way that maybe physical graffiti was sort of proggy, you know, if you throw cashmere in and 10 years gone and the different sort of styles, they do that now. And it's um, really cool. They'll, there's some long jams, eight, nine minute songs on there. It's just killer stuff. And I can't recommend them enough. Cool. Naming another band that uh, this is who I thought you were going to say when you talked about a band that opened for us, then kind of went away and then came back and they're from Canada. I thought you were going to say I Mother Earth. Oh, who, who would be a great addition to this list as well? I Mother okay, Earth. Yeah. They toured with us in '94, I think, and um, loved their albums back then. Uh, they had an uh, album called Dig, um, and uh, they kind of were like Jane's Addiction meets Santana with a little King Crimson and Tool mixed in. You know, it was a great, great combinations of sounds and styles. And they, they kind of went away, and now I think they came back, and now they're out there touring again, kind of like the same story as you just said with, uh, with Big Rex. So I would definitely say check out I'm Mother Earth as well if, if you don't know them. And do you remember – sorry, I was going to ask you, just do you remember much about touring with Big Rex? I mean, did you – was it sort of they were opening band for two months, then you don't speak again, that type of situation, or what sort of – I mean, it was yeah, a long time it was, ago. To be honest, I haven't stayed yeah. in touch with those guys. So, to, yeah. So that's why I, I really can't comment more on them. But I just remember at the time they were really cool. 
Yeah. That was a t- that was a tough tour for me in general. <laughs> I tried to wipe out that whole year in that old tour <laughs> from memory. All right, so the big drum roll. Uh, your your number one. Well, actually, I'm going to give you one more honorable mention before <laughs> the number one. Yeah, let's do it. That once again ties in with another band that I took out with Dream Theater, and I think they deserve mention here is Big Elf. And I think anybody that knows me has heard me go on and on and on about them. And, and then, of course, I played on their last album and, yeah. and did touring with them on their last album. But, uh, you know, if, if by chance you're out there listening and you don't know Big Elf, uh, you know, check out the album I played on their last one, which was Into the Maelstrom. But the one that, you know, that I fell in love with them was uh, Cheat the Gallows. Which yeah, came that's, out that's the one. 2008. Sure. And to me, that's a, a masterpiece like OK Computer and Muse's Absolution. It's, it's in that vein and it's a roller coaster ride of every influence i mean going from crimson to sabbath to floyd to beatles it's just a big giant melting pot but i'm not going to put them on my list officially on my list being i you know i'm kind of involved with them at this point having recorded and toured with them so i'm not going to put them on my list but they get a huge honorable mention yeah so uh the last one on my list, and, and once again, it's not like this is the big one. I'm just kind of going chronological in terms of when these bands hit the scene. So this is basically just the last of my five in chronological order, and it would be uh, Biffy Clyro. Oh, wow. And, okay. And I yeah. think th- they tie in rather well to, uh, to Kyle's last pick because I think, to me, they kind of came out of the uh, – you know, out of the shadows of, of Muse. They remind me a lot of Muse, especially the earlier albums, uh, but they're kind of even more progressive. And they're another one of those bands, like like we were talking about earlier with Soundgarden, that uses odd time signatures in pretty much every single song. And there's some songs that uh, are very progressive, you know, have a lot of rush kind of rhythms and, and odd time signatures, but they have that kind of Muse uh, spirit and production um, uh, uh, and actually, uh, their live band, they have two members from uh, the band Ocean Size, which is another band that should be on this list if you've never heard them. They're a band that I uh, yeah. kind of championed back in the, in the early 2000s, and, and uh, they put out a few albums that were really amazing, and they ended up breaking up. But now two of the guys from Ocean Size actually tour with Biffy Clyro, and... Um, yeah, there you go. Not not my number one in terms of the big one, but just kind of the last on my list in terms of chronological. And if you don't know them, and if you, especially if you like Muse or Ocean Size or anything like that, uh, odd time signatures, they're definitely worth checking out. Come on, baby, do you think it's good to feel like I'm lying here swimming in memories? I fear God because everything Got a gun in the back of my car Despising my good sense is making my eye twitch I'm hiding up all your consolation I'm trying to call in a shed tie Take my face to the inside of love Nothing to eat but fingers in the backseat Well I'm that God and he had nothing to say to me Yeah, you know, that's a band I hear about a lot. And I know that in Europe, they're humongous stadium shows and stuff. Um, been, and I, but I've not really heard them. So that's a band I have to check out. But they've been on my radar, my list of 
bands I need to go and listen to. So that's yeah, good. I, I would recommend the two that I would recommend is, is Puzzle, which came out in 2007. And then they put out a double album in 2013 called Opposites. So if you're looking to kind of cherry pick uh, an album or two to check out, those would be the two I would recommend. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. So I've never heard of them. I'm, I'm just reading about them while, while I'm sitting here listening to you talk about them. Fun fact about the band, there's twin brothers that are the rhythm section, which is kind of cool. I don't, I'm, now I'm thinking about bands that have siblings in the same band, but uh, I like the, the, the Leo brothers from Sun Temple Pilots or something like that. But um, how long have they been? A, I just have, I've missed them completely. It says they've been around since 95. I don't know how I've missed them. I don't them. know that they have any play here at all in the States, right? I mean, well, I, in I your actually saw them open for Muse in, in America. Okay. Did you? Yeah, uh, a few years ago at the Garden, they were the opening band. So Muse has taken them out. And, but yeah, they're, they're really not ma a mainstream name here in America. And I'm surprised that the Muse tour didn't get them bigger. Yeah. But it, the, the great thing I love about them, too, in, in addition to the Odd Time signatures, is they're one of the few bands where you could hear the singers. Uh, I guess they're, they must be Scottish or Welsh or Irish. Scottish. I think Scottish. Yeah. Scottish, okay. And you could hear the Scottish accent, like literally in, in every song. It, it pops out <laughs> and it's, it's, it's pretty amusing. Uh, no, that's cool. That's, that's perfect. Um, okay, Kyle, what's your number one? For sure. So I don't know about this pick. I don't know if anyone likes them. I feel like this is going to be like my St. <laughs> Vincent, my, my Vincent pick, but I got to go with what I think fits the, uh, the criteria that I set for myself. So, uh, and, and granted, this is a Homer pick cause I love this band, but, um, this is a band that's typically categorized as sort of alter alternative rock, but also alternative country, uh, definitely not Prague. And they'd probably hate the idea of even being referred to as that, but, uh, they're called sort of like the American Radiohead. Uh, but for me, I like this band a lot more than Radiohead. Uh, and like I said earlier, like I respect Radiohead. I like a lot of what they did, but they've lost me a little along the way. This band I still love. And while they're experimental, they deconstruct songs and uh, that sort of thing. They're more a pop band in a way. And I just like their songs more. And that band is Wilco. Oh, yeah. I love Wilco. Oh, good. Thank God. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's not and, about me, but... No, well, I know yeah. it's not about you. I'm just saying, like, I, there's some bands that I love that you talk to, like, prog fans about, and they're like, uh, I hate that band. <laughs> you know, it's like, and they're one of these bands like that, that I'll play it for someone, and if you don't like country or roots music or even certain types of alternative indie, you're just not going to like them. Um, well, not to, not to steal your, your, yeah. Go your going on about it, but I, just to say, I discovered them, uh, they made one of the best rock documentaries I've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. It, it's uh if you haven't seen it, it was about them making the yankee hotel foxtrot album yep. and uh oh god what's the name what's the name of it uh i'm trying to break your heart yeah exactly that's if, if you're a rock documentary fan that's sure. absolutely mandatory viewing and that's how i got introduced to wilco and, and was a fan ever since yeah for sure yeah t to me like the little analogy i like to use about them is uh and it's okay if nobody likes them i just i think they fit they're a progressive band but in on a totally different stream like they are progressing their style of music. Like each new album is something different. They layer sounds. I think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is sort of like, eh, like their Sergeant Peppers or their pet sounds. It's one of those sort of things. Um, but they're like, uh, I kind of equate them to like a great classic film that each time you watch it, there's something new that you notice that you love. And so there's all these layers to their music. Whereas for me, like, Radiohead's almost like uh, some of their albums, at least like a classic film that you have to watch because it's a classic, but you, it's a tough watch. You know, it's a little bit hard to get through sometimes, but Wilco is a band that I want to watch and listen to over and over and over. Um, if you're looking for albums, if you're out there, I've like never listened to Wilco or I don't like them. 
obviously Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Watch the documentary. I think you'll get it more. It's yeah. funny that album actually got them dropped from the record label, which is a whole nother story. Uh, it became their bestseller. Uh, a Ghost is Born, the follow-up. It, it was just Tweety's album. Like he did the whole thing on Pro Tools basically, but there's a lot of weird stuff. 15 minute songs, uh, definitely more into like noise rock. Sky Blue Sky though, if you're like wanting something straight ahead, just song Impossible Germany that's got these yeah. uh, Love that wonderful album. guitar solo, these like three part kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then one song I would say is Art of Almost. It's off 2011's The Whole Love, seven and a half minutes. It's like two halves in a song. Each one's different. It's got this off meter drum part. Uh, it ends kind of as like this punk, like loud, violent guitar solo. Um, go see them live. They're way better live than they are on recordings, but one of my favorite bands. Almost. I mean, I got to go back and revisit them because they were lost on me. But I maybe it's because, like you said, I'm not a country fan or, or sort of that pseudo alternative stuff. Yeah. But um, but uh, I'll give it another shot and check them out. The Sky Blue Sky album is a favorite of mine. And to me, that's it reminds me a lot of the two mellow albums that Beck made. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, to me, it's one of those albums you put on. It's, it's just so well written, well produced. Uh, I love the instrumentation. I love, I love the things that the drummer does with different sounds and different like objects to play drums on. Um, and, and also mentioning Beck that ties back in with the flaming lips. And so yeah. it's all, it's, you know, all this stuff is pretty re relevant to each other. It's, it's everything we're naming yeah. here kind of, you know, comes full circle <laughs> to different styles that, that we mentioned earlier. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, okay. So I'll jump in on my last one. And uh, curious what you guys think of this band. Uh, to me, now they live in a whole separate world that is not prog rock at all. But to me, they are in every way a progressive rock band, and somehow they get away with not being considered one. I don't, or I don't even know if that's the right way to phrase that. But um, it's uh, Umphreys McGee. Oh yeah. And uh, I mean, these guys are totally masquerading as a jam band, and right. it's, it's ridiculous. They sh all of them shred like no one's business. They they do double bass metal riffs on on some songs. They do long epics that are twelve minutes, and uh, all these different styles on albums. Yet uh, they have this amazing touring audience that has this whole Grateful Dead mixtape thing, and right. um, uh, people that go see twenty shows in a row. And their you know their shows are these great jam fests, but their albums are absolutely one after the other amazing, and. Um, I don't know if a lot of people 
realize what these albums are uh, or if they even check them out because they have such a jam band name. Right. Uh, and, um, but you know, I, what's funny is I actually am not the biggest fan of them live. Well, I mean, live, they still, they shred and they do all this crazy stuff, but they do the jam band thing, whereas they don't actually play a song. So when you see them live, they'll play two, three hours and they'll mix 20 of their songs with another 10 covers and one goes into the next and you don't know where a song is and they play it differently than on the album. And it's totally just a hippie fest. And it's hard to follow if you are maybe, you know, a prog fan is like, no, play the song the way it's supposed to be. They don't do that. So that that's a different vibe altogether. But if you want to just check them out on their albums, um, you know, they've been around now a good 20 something years and they've done it all their own way and they're super successful. Uh, Mantis in 2009 has this ridiculous 12 minute epic on it that is unbelievable. Um, similar skin in 2014 has this song Bridgeless, which is they could have said they were ripping off Dream Theater. It's, it's a total metal song. And uh, they've released two albums this year called uh, one was called It's Not Us and the second one was called It's You. And uh, it's not us is better. Uh, it has this song called remind me um, or not remind you, which is uh, starts off as this Dave Matthews acoustic thing and midway through becomes Metallica. So uh, they are super fun and really, really top notch. Excellent musicians. I highly recommend if you're not familiar with that band. this conversation differently I know it's kind of one-sided It's so obvious the answer It's just a question I believe That nobody's asking But what the hell do I know? If everyone's so unsure of What's really below or above us Then maybe I discovered them um, actually during the Napster era when, when you, you know, you were getting a lot of individual songs. I started doing a lot of collecting of different covers and I discovered them because they had done so many covers, you know, full yeah. Beatles covers and Zeppelin and Metallica. And, and they had this. So to me, it was always their live show that I found interesting. And I think that's why they've become such a. Uh, a phenomenon in you know in in the jam band world they remind me a lot of fish in that way that they totally is- live in that world yeah 100 yeah. but i think it's great because like you said they come from a more hard rock metal background they have all that shredding ability um i've become friends with the drummer chris myers through the years he actually just sent me the vinyl of their latest two albums oh awesome and uh i mean i've, I've loved these guys for for you know, as long as I've known of them, I guess almost 20 years at this point. But yeah, excellent pick, excellent choice. Yeah, that remind me song. When I first heard that, it was like, what is happening? <laughs> this song is insane. And it's just really, really cool. So there's uh, another band I just discovered that reminds me a little bit of that as well. They're, they're called uh, oh, um, uh, uh, Karmic, 
Cormac Juggernaut, they were called. I just discovered them a few oh. months ago. And uh, remind me a bit of the Humphreys McGee kind of prog jam band kind of thing. And that's another one that uh, if you're looking for something new, I just discovered them a few months ago and was really impressed with them. They're kind of like, uh, almost like uh, Osric Tentacles kind of stuff as well. Yeah. You know, it's jam band kind of psychedelia prog. Kyle, it's really funny. If you go see Humphreys McGee live, you're standing around and it's all young kids, college age, sure. maybe a little bit older, and all sort of tripping out, you know, weed everywhere, dancing, a lot of girls all over the place, and they're playing liquid tension experiment style music. It's the yeah. funniest thing. Yeah. And you're look, and I'm looking around going, you people have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I've got a good friend that's all into jam band music. He'll travel to see all the shows and I have just never been able to get into it. But Humphreys McGee is one of the few that I've heard some stuff and I've thought the same thing like, man, this is, this is really good. You know? So I fully expected that someone would put a jam band on this list. I thought it would be either fish or maybe grateful dead. Well, the deer hunter, I think the deer hunter also fall a bit sure. into that category of yeah. a bit more, more alternative, but jam band is as well. Well, yeah, the Deer Hunter, the Deer Bravo. Hunter would have been number one on my list because they're one of my top five band, favorite bands at this mm. point right now. But we did a separate podcast just on them, so I felt mm. like I didn't yeah. want to include them. But um, the Deer Hunter is one of the greatest bands ever, and uh, honorable mention, I guess. If you have yeah, absolutely, make you know that band is insane. And also, I think of them as Prague too. I mean, I if you look at like Wikipedia, which it's like the worst thing to use is you know your answer but their first genre is prog so i mean they're in that sort of like are they or aren't they you know yeah i don't where to no one i don't know where to put deer hunter necessarily but but they are proggy i i, I think so it works um anyway wow we cover like a million bands yeah that's yeah. great i mean rather than getting just uh, rather than i've got a lot more mentioned. i mean did you do your honorable mention list or no oh you know what i had a wait i had a, a honorable mention list of a couple of albums not of bands because these are yeah. bands that didn't do they i wouldn't put them on this list because they're not overly prog but i have a, a couple of honorable mention just albums that i want to throw out so uh my chemical romance uh welcome to the black parade that's on mine which is one of the greatest albums ever if but i know a lot of people don't like that band that much but that album is absolutely worth it um extremes three sides to every story which is a total prog album um, from a lot ways back, and Silverchair is an, was another honorable mention for me. This grunge band, this grunge band that became a total prog band in their last few albums, and the album Young Modern is amazing. So um, uh, don't don't worry about their grunge fame. Silverchair became a really good band later on and uh, wrote some awesome stuff. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few more. I'm I'm kind of shocked, and maybe we can talk about this first. Then I've got some honorable mentions I want to say, but. I thought, and maybe it's because you think of him as prog, but I thought Frank Zappa would be number one on your list, Mike. Mm. Um, is it because you think of him as prog or? Yeah, I don't know what he is. Frank is like yeah. you know, undescribable. Every album was a different genre, you know. Um, I, I just assumed he was, you know, on, on everybody's radar already. Yeah, yeah so I think so. I, I didn't go with that. But that's I mean, one of those big names, yeah. Yeah, you know, I figured that's all in the category, same category as Beatles and Queen, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. All right, so a couple albums I've got. Uh, dire Straits was like almost on my list. Uh, they, in the early 80s, became a much more complex band. They've got uh, Love, Love Over Gold is their 82 album. Uh, it's got a 14-minute song that starts it off called Telegraph Road. 
definitely prog dire straits rules for sure yeah, I've, I've always loved the band and and i think they're best known for uh you know brothers in arms but some really good albums in there um i had the my chemical romance it's one of my favorite albums it's it's a it's a concept album so i think that lends to prog but it's so good i mean it's a perfect album uh a band that made a proggy album that's not a prog band is The Who. Quadrophenia, I think, is one of the best prog albums. Um, it's a concept, but I think of it as prog. Uh, Tool, Lateralis, Green Day actually did like a pretty proggy album, if you want to call it that, with American Idiot, uh, Homecoming, Jesus of Suburbia. Those are both like prog songs. Yeah, I agree. Good call there. Love a that. rock pop, punk album, you know? Um, Alter Bridge is another one that like kind of flirts with progressive metal their album fortress uh especially the song cry of achilles is a is a prog song and then lastly avenge sevenfold their their most recent album the stage is a prog album and so they've always kind of flirted with that but uh this this most recent one's got some really good stuff you know i've kind of been throwing them out throughout this conversation you know big yeah. elf made it on there and and jellyfish was was mandatory even though it wasn't on any of our lists just because i assumed it would be See, that's uh, funny. Yeah. i mean i've already mentioned that band karmic joggernaut that i just discovered right. another album that just came out this year that i'm loving is uh bill hubauer's we came from space yeah totally. that's definitely worth checking out especially very good album we talked about uh, kevin gilbert earlier and it, it reminds me a lot of a kevin gilbert album in that respect uh what else off the top of my head um there's a band called um, Once and Future Band. I saw them open for Tool mm. this year, mm. and they're kind of like Steely Dan-ish, mixed in with some, uh, you know, fusion. Oh God! And then there's uh, then you know this weird stuff too, like like the Lemon Twigs. You know, it's yep. like these two brothers that kind of sound like Ton Rundgren meets Badfinger. Uh, you know, it's not really prog; it's more like pop, but uh, if you look them up on YouTube, they, it's two brothers that play every instrument. So they kind of switch back and forth, uh, switch instruments throughout the show. Um, there's cool. a band called Trigger Finger from Belgium, which is more in the vein of like uh, Muse or Queens of the Stone Age. So I don't know. These are just a few off the top of my head. But man, you know, even though this was three top five lists and there should have only been 15. <laughs> I think we have about 30. You could probably make a list of about 40 bands that have been mentioned that are yeah. all, all worth checking out. So, I mean, I think it was yeah. a great conversation. Absolutely. This was, this was fun. Uh, thanks, guys. As always, Mike, uh, always a pleasure when you have some free time between long tours to get you on one of these. So, yeah, you know, pleasure's mine, man. Thank you. And, uh, and Kyle, glad to have you back. Um, yeah. I guess I'll be seeing you at Morse Fest probably and Mike uh, somewhere on the road. Oh, wait, I needed to ask you if you have any insight into what's, what you're doing on Cruise to the Edge or you still are keeping that secret. Actually, I just had an epiphany a few nights ago uh, and an idea. So um, I might develop that idea. Uh, you know, the, the, the true answer is, is uh, I pretty much have a spot on the ship every year that Larry lets me do whatever I want. So when he had asked me to be on the next one. He wanted to know what I was going to be doing around February, 2019. And at the time he wanted to announce it, I wasn't sure if I'd still be out with Sons of Apollo or the Neil Morse band. So the honest answer is I don't have anything crazy up my sleeve. What it really was, was just a technicality to announce that, yes, I will indeed be on the boat, but just haven't decided with what band yet. <laughs> at this point, uh, it will probably line up with the Neil Morse band schedule so i'm hoping that maybe a neil morse band will 
maybe even premiere the new album on Cruise to the Edge. That's yeah. kind of something we're talking about. Uh, but even so, I, I just had an epiphany and an idea a few days ago of what I could possibly do for a fun set. So even if I'm not with the Neil Morse band, I still plan on doing a solo set which, you know, Mike Portnoy and Friends, which is basically what I did with the Chris Squire tribute. Right. Uh, it's basically what I did with my 50th 50th birthday show. You know, both of those were kind of Mike Portnoy and Friends sets. So uh, cool. uh, regardless of who I'm playing with, whether it's Neil Morse Band or not, I, I'm going to probably do a cool special set. All right. A little, little bit of a tease there, which uh, should make everybody right. happy. All right. I'll let you guys go. I know you guys got other stuff to do, but again, thank you. And guys, uh, anybody, if you want to check out previous podcasts, they're all online, progreport.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, wherever you want to find it, we're around. So, and we'll see you all again real soon. Thank you. Pick it up,